0: This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. Javelin Strategy and Research recently issued its 7th Annual Issuer Safety Scorecard, which ranks card issuers based on their abilities to detect and resolve card fraud, as well as protect their consumer customers from events of card fraud. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Phil Blank author of The Scorecard, and lead analyst of security and risk at Javelin. Bill, I can't really think of a more timely topic for us to be discussing. Card security has permeated many recent conversations, from the Fed's announcement this week to offer card issuers interchange fee incentives for fraud prevention, to the recent wave of debit breaches we've reported hitting Michaels and City. Steps card issuers are taking to protect consumers is getting much more scrutiny. Now, this is the seventh year that you've published this particular scorecard. Can you give our audience some background about the scorecard study, such as how card issuers are rated, and then highlight any points that you think, from your perspective, stood out relative to years that you've conducted this particular survey in the past?
1: Sure. Thanks, Tracy. Um, Just a couple of of items. We looked at the top 20 issuers of scorecards, uh, uh, of cards outstanding. Uh, for Visa and MasterCard and then we added certain other key uh, folks into the survey such as American Express and Discover who are also large issuers of cards. And this is a report that's uh, filled with good news and bad news. So on the positive side, uh, resolution efforts by the card issuers have continued to improve over a three-year trend. Uh, the bad side is that prevention efforts the card issuers over the past three years have continued to decline. Uh, Detection is pretty much the same with a slight decline in 2011. Resolution is actually pretty straightforward. It's of the three the easiest. Even though resolution might be uh, intricate and complex, it's fairly prescriptive. You know what you need to do. Uh, Detection is the next most difficult because obviously... It's in the fraudsters' best interest to hide the fraud. But the one where we're seeing the most decline is in prevention. And prevention is the hardest. It's uh, strategic as opposed to being tactical or operational. And frankly, uh, it's a cat-and-mouse game. The fraudsters are getting smarter, and the card issuers have to be uh, quicker on their feet in order to compensate for the speed of the fraudsters. So the high points for us is that uh, prevention is now on a third-year decline uh, in the last three years of our study.
0: Now, the report highlights criminal trends and security strategies that issuers can adopt to combat current fraud tactics. According to your research, are most card issuers adequately fighting fraud with the right types of strategies? Now, you've noted that for the last three years, you've actually seen a decline in some of the preventive measures they're taking. What other strategies are they pursuing?
1: Well, and and that's really the problem. Uh, The The mindset of a lot of large FIs is that we don't want to involve consumers in security. We'll take care of everything behind the scenes. And because of that mindset, they miss one of the key components of fighting that fraud. So... Um, the, the the strategies and technologies that banks are using or should be using really tend to uh, more involve the consumer. And, and there are some very prescriptive things. For example, we still have financial institutions that ask for full social security numbers, which is, if you think about it, just astonishing in this day and age when we really try and uh, – teach consumers not to give up their social security number under any circumstance. Um, many of them have been very good about shutting off paper statements. That's been a very positive side. Uh, many of them do not uh, include multi-factor authentication for mobile. Uh, they, they just assume mobile doesn't need the same uh, amount of uh, care and feeding as does the PC environment. Many of them do not use EVSSL or extended validation SSL on their contacted login pages. And many of them don't have uh, partnerships with security vendors that can help both the FI and the consumer um, ameliorate their security posture. We're not suggesting that we turn consumers into IT people, but helping the consumer better protect themselves is in the best interest of both the FI the card issuer, and the consumer themselves.
0: And I was going to ask you about some of the technologies that you see banks using, and I just want to ask this question before we broach that one. Do you think that the reason there's been a decline in some of the preventative steps that card issuers are taking over the last three years relates to the economic downturn?
1: Boy, that's a that's a tough question. It really shouldn't, because many of the steps that we suggest and many of the steps that we encourage people to take uh, are steps that would be very, very easy and not very costly for the FI. We've got uh, seven years of longitudinal data that there's actually a uh, reverse, an inverse proportion between the um, unemployment rate and the amount of fraud. So when the unemployment rate goes goes down. I'm sorry, when the gross national product, excuse me, goes down, fraud goes up. And when gross national product goes up, fraud goes down. Well, in 2010, we saw an increase in gross national product. You would think there would be less fraud, and therefore the prevention efforts would not be as great. We believe that the the big decline in prevention is due primarily to the fact that the fraudsters are getting better. Uh, We've tightened up. The, the measurements in the scorecard for us to keep up with the, with the frosters, and it's incumbent upon the, the issuers to do the same thing.
0: Now, you mentioned mobile earlier, and you noted that you don't really see card issuers taking the same precautions on the mobile channel as far as authentication is concerned that they've been taking with the online channel, or in theory should have been taking with the online channel. Um, but you do see some things taking place in the mobile space, perhaps using mobile more as a complementary channel to help authenticate online transactions? What movement are you seeing there where the mobile device is being used to help leverage or send alerts to customers when it comes to card transactions?
1: Uh, What what a great question, and and the short answer is not enough. There's really two things that should be happening. Uh, One is involving the consumer in their security. Uh, Tracy, nobody knows your financial habits better than you do. So, Imagine for card-not-present fraud. And by the way, card-not-present fraud now exceeds card-present fraud. So a movement to EMV chips is going to do absolutely nothing about card-not-present fraud. So the only way to prevent card-not-present fraud is to have the consumer involved. And Javelin strongly recommends two processes. One is called uh, release and review, and the others—I'm sorry—one is called uh, review and respond, and the other is called review and release. So imagine that you're doing a card-not-present transaction, and the transaction comes through, and you get an SMS text alert on your phone. That's a great means of detection, and not all issuers do that. At least now you know someone's used your card illegitimately. You can pick up the phone. You can call your issuer. You can get that problem resolved. The problem, of course, is the fraud has already occurred. But imagine for card-not-present fraud, instead of getting notification, now you have to approve it through an out-of-band signaling, an SMS text, or a phone call. And if it really is you, you're going to know that transaction took place, you can approve it, and there's really no delay in the transaction. But if it's not you, or the bank can't reach you, the transaction is not approved, and suddenly all that card-not-present fraud goes away because you, Tracy, know your financial habits better than the bank. In crimes of impersonation, if I'm impersonating Tracy, there's no amount of traditional security that can fight that. The only thing that can fight that is Tracy.
0: Do you think, though, in the U.S., at least I know that some of those types of out-of-band authentication techniques are used in Europe, but in the U.S., how much would it take for consumers to adjust to that kind of second layer of authentication?
1: We propose, and we encourage is a transition. So let's educate the consumer as to the value of these types of authentication and start off with review and respond. If everyone, all of the card issuers had review and respond, that would at least help the fraud be detected very, very quickly. And then as a next layer, go to review and release. We believe over time, card not present, as the internet transactions continue to grow, card not present fraud will also continue to grow. So. Uh, we have to get the consumer involved somehow in the review and release of these transactions because traditional security, fraud trumps security when it comes to crimes of impersonation.
0: Now, you also note in your findings that most consumers view personal security, such as the protection of their identities, is something that should be shared, a responsibility that they should have for themselves, but that banks should also have for consumers. How do banks as card issuers view that perspective?
1: They view it generally a bit differently. And the reason is that bank security I'm sorry, FI security, card issuer security, grew up in the hands, traditionally came from a lot of the IT background, a lot of the traditional fraud areas, where they took care of all that internal to the bank. Well, the bank walls are no longer there, in effect, with the internet. The bank walls are now all over the world. So banks, uh, and FIs are sort of wired to think oh, we don't need to have our consumers aware of any security issues. We'll take care of everything through analytics. And I'm not bashing analytics. They're very important. They need to be a key part of this equation. But you can't do it all through analytics. And there's almost a fear by a lot of the FIs to have the consumer involved. And yet the consumer, we've got survey after survey that shows the consumer wants to partner and be an active part of that of that equation, and and we do have some very forward-thinking uh, issuers that will actually provide you the software for free. They'll say to you, uh, "Hey Tracy, here's some free antivirus software. Here's some free man in the browser protection software." Does that going to cure all the problems? No, but it's a big step toward enabling your knowledge and awareness of what safe internet banking practices are.
0: And Phil, before we close, what final thoughts or points about the scorecard would you like to share with our audience?
1: I think the, the, the biggest issue is that the consumers have to start demanding, asking, begging their card issuers to provide them these services. And it's in the best interest of the consumer to avoid the fraud completely. Prevention has to be what we emphasize. It's detection of resolution is important. But if we can get the prevention in place, all those downstream efforts and costs are taken out of the equation, and that will ultimately save billions of dollars for the FIs and billions of dollars to the consumer as well.
0: Great. Phil, I want to thank you again for your time today.
1: Uh, My pleasure. Enjoyed chatting with you, and uh, I love to talk about security, so call me anytime.
0: (laughs) Great. Thanks. Again, we've just heard from Phil Blank of Javelin Strategy and Research. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.BankInfoSecurity.com.